Yeah. Hey, everybody. It's Misty. And Keely. From Black Belt or Bust. And today we got our good friend and training partner, Hannah Scoggins. Say hi, hey, Hannah. Hey. <laughs> she <laughs> is a BJJ Purple Belt and an MMA athlete. She's competed in a lot of our local tournaments. Um, where else have you competed? Uh, Singapore. That was for fighting, but um, I competed in uh, Atlanta, New York, North Carolina, and South Carolina, and Georgia. Okay, cool. So. And she kicks all of our asses. Yeah. So <laughs> she runs through everybody at the gym. <laughs> Can we get back to it, though? <laughs> So I guess the first question we want to start off with is how long have you been doing martial arts now? Oh, I always forget because like people ask me, I think it's, um, I started when I was 16, about to turn 16. So I just say 16. Um, I started doing like Krav Maga, which is like a form of like Israeli self-defense. And they have a lot of like uh, jiu-jitsu in there as well as like striking and like weapon takeaways and stuff like that. So 16, 18, 19, 20. 21, 22, like seven years. Okay. At least and, eight years this year. And uh, has Krav Maga been the first one? Did you transition over or I know you yeah. karate. So it's, I started with Krav Maga and they have a good mixture in there. And then they got like a jiu-jitsu program with Richard Pinto and Alex Ninen at a small gym where they had Krav Maga and Greer. It was called Absolute. And so like, I was really not sure about doing the jiu-jitsu because I actually wasn't a big fan of it at first. And then uh, they're both such good teachers. It like made me really excited to learn and actually start to understand it. So I added jujitsu to the Krav Maga classes. Like I did both of them and then I started doing MMA also. So it all kind of start, started there, but I did jujitsu for a full year before I was like serious about MMA, mm-hmm. but you know, I just made my MMA better too. So it was good. So was it seeing a couple of the MMA classes that got you interested in wanting to start? Or what caused that transition? I know you just said how it was a year. What caused you to be like, oh, I want to do that now? Well, because I was, I would like do um, Cody Freeland. He's my striking coach um, from like day one. He would have some like MMA classes at night, um, like just one. And I started doing it and I realized that like I was pretty good at the striking too. And he was like, you're pretty well-rounded, especially because you've been doing so much jiu-jitsu. Um, so I just decided to do it I don't know I just I started doing a whole bunch of everything on top of like the jiu-jitsu so and it all worked out pretty well and they're like well you're really well-rounded you work really hard so like you could totally do an MMA fight if you want to and the rest is history really yeah I know I should have been more it's okay, I did all my things for the day. So There's so many things I'm ask you now, I'm like, just tired. Okay, wait, so when, when you say, when you say you started okay. training BJJ, did you start training in the gi or no gi more? Uh, all gi. I mean, I did like no gi in some of the other classes, but I really love gi. Gi, if I had to choose gi or no gi, I think I have more fun in gi, but I've learned to love no gi too, so it's hard to like decide. I really love gi jiu-jitsu, I feel like there's so much like more you can do with it. And I did all key tournaments. So do you feel like as you transition more to MMA, your style changed? Cause I know like with gi, we have a lot of fun playing with guards and lapels and chokes, yeah. but we don't have that there for MMA. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in general, like it's so complicated because when I started doing um, more MMA, I had to be very focused on that, but I still like did a lot of jujitsu. Um, but after a while, like I had like, you know how like different with mixed martial arts, there's like, you know, your jiu-jitsu's got to be here, and then as long as you, like, really start focusing on, like, your wrestling, so your wrestling gets here, 
and then like that'll lag. So it's really hard to keep it all balanced. Um, and I just forgot the question and where I was going with that. But I did, re okay, yeah, no gi to gi. My getting better at no gi for MMA made my gi better. There's a few things that like I'd forget about. Like I'd be like, oh, I'm doing gi, I can grip, you know? But overall, like I think no gi and gi should be practiced together because they really complement each other, you know? Like with, um, like being tight on somebody in no gi, you have to make sure they're really secure. Whereas with gi, you can come use grips and then they can't move because you have that grip. You can't do that as much like with no gi. So I just think they complement each other really well. I don't know if that was the answer, but. Well, do you feel like your style is different that whenever you play around in the gi, you get to do a certain style or a certain guard and you feel like with no gi, you tend to do something else being like more top pressure or closed guard, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't even think I have a style. I'm just kind of like all over the place. I was going to say, I've never lot. seen you with a style. You've always just dominated at anything. <laughs> I, really I don't, I've gotten better. One thing with Nogi is I had to get better at um, like securing positions. So I had to like be able to maintain a position more than like zones and, and Gi. I'll, I'll like move from one spot to another spot really quickly. I mean, I do that in Nogi too, but I've had to get better at being able to secure people and like, and played in bottom a lot because with gi, I, I think I like to be on top more. I don't know. I don't have a style. It's so hard to say. See, I think I've missed you when you were bringing up when you started competing, how like in the gym you train a certain way, and then when you compete, you actually perform a different way. Yeah. Kind of like you had that sort of experience. Do you yeah, I competed really early on, and I did like tons of competitions, like everyone that I could, you know. So I think. I think that might be why I don't really have a set style. Cause I mean, you can train away in the gym and train like specific stuff, but when it comes down to it in a competition, like you don't know how that person trains and they could open up a whole other side of you you didn't see. And I think that's like com why competing makes people uh, grow and change their style and like so quickly and so much, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you don't have, this is something training with you or watching you fight and I've seen you in one BJJ competition, but you don't have an A game. You're just so, you have an awareness, like watching yeah. you do these things, you're aware of what's open. And for people who are listening or like, if you're watching this, like when I say she has an awareness, like if you have a hole in your game, she will find she it. Will find it. <laughs> I think that has to do with the competing and stuff. And also I've been doing like athletics like my entire life. So and gymnastics and I think um that grows body awareness a lot so like, you know where you are like in any position but then um with martial arts you have to know where they are as well and I think having that body awareness from doing stuff for a long time when I was younger really made a big difference but also competing like you compete to win you know and I like they used to joke about me like and this is I don't like bragging but they used to joke about me because I'd finish girls really fast because that's what I do I'm like okay I'm here to win. I want to win as fast as I can. And I would like, I'd find a hole and it's easier at white belt, you know, cause you're all still like so new, but like I'd find a hole and I take advantage of it. And that's just, I guess my mentality now. Yeah. See, <laughs> it makes me think before I met you, David was telling me a story about you where he was like, okay, this is the person that as a blue belt, I walked up to her and I said, go finish that girl in 30 seconds or less. And you walked out and did it. And he's like, yep, that's normal. And he just walks off and I'm like, who is this person? 
he's a really good coach too. Whenever I have him in my corner, I, um, that's another thing is like being able to like hear your coach's voices and like actually understand what they're saying and having that connection. Like when they're coaching you in that like intense moment, you would be able to hear them. And you're like, you can, like, I feel like I, I'm like, okay, this is all I'm focusing on them. He says, do this. So I'm going to do that. And then always, you know, comes out with a victory because I do exactly like what my coach says. Cause I know, you know, you have that connection. That's with all my coaches. Cause I have like a lot of coaches, <laughs> but yeah, David's uh, great in the corner and he's a really good coach. He explains stuff really well. So, yeah. So with you being so well-rounded, like you're good in striking and you're good in BJJ. Do you have days where you just prefer doing jujitsu and oh. you're not even focused for like a fight, but just like you feel like, okay, I just need to do jujitsu today. No, sorry. Oh, yeah. For sure. There's days where like, I'm just like, I'm going to go choke somebody. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. just need it. We all get that right now. <laughs> but especially cause like when I'm, especially when like I'm in camp, I have my set schedule and there's a lot of times where it's like, I don't do any striking some days, you know, I need to let my arms rest or something, you know? So I, I, I just only do jujitsu and you know, that's kind of, and I'd like to correlate like, my jujitsu and my wrestling too. And like kind of put those around the same time. But then again, when you, when I do jujitsu, I always, I like to go for takedowns, you know, I try not to do because of martial arts. I try not to do guard pulls because I pulled a guard in a fight and that was interesting. <laughs> not a good idea. See, and then, cause I know both that you and I were hoping to do the IBJJF Atlanta. Yeah. How is it? The more you've progressed, the more frustrating. I know for me personally that more people are guard pulling rather than willing to like, play standing up, like play with me a little bit, throw like work for takedowns rather than just immediately going for the guard pool. Do you feel like you've had that in jujitsu more? It is frustrating, but I mean, to each his own, you know, if you're on the street, you don't want to pull guard, but it's like, I mean, sometimes there are advantages to it. Obviously I know that some people like that's always their go-to, but I think if you're not well-rounded and you don't know how to take somebody down or defend a takedown, you're leaving yourself open to a lot of stuff because like, I can't remember exactly how many points you get right now for a takedown. So I think it's like three, two, okay, two or three. Yes, two. So those two points could mean the difference between winning and losing, especially if it's a tough match. So I think you should always leave yourself open because you don't get points for guard pulling, right? No. You just, yeah. And then it's like you leave yourself open to them passing your guard and all of that. I know it's different at higher levels, but I think you have to be able to take people down and defend takedowns. So it's really important to me. Yeah. Have you done a BJJ tournament since you've been doing your fights? Or oh, yeah. Like um, I did one. I think I've only done, like, one or two. Um, I did one, and it was at a Gi and No Gi. That was, like, the first time I competed in No Gi. I don't know why. But because, like, I had so many. I had, like, five fights last year, which is, like, crazy. And actually, it was in le a little less than a year. And so I was so busy. And I don't normally do jiu-jitsu tournaments around – um, like when I'm in camp, I'll do them before I start camp or maybe at the beginning, but I can't risk getting injured during camp because, you know, you put all that work into a fight and then you injure yourself. So that would suck. And then it also seems like they always hop tournaments, like right around where I'm like when I'm fighting and like not when I'm like out of camp. So that's been frustrating, but I did like one tournament or something like that. I was going to do the Atlanta Open, but then I hurt my shoulder. So, you know. Yeah. And then all this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I was thinking about it. I'm like, it really, like, I'm, I feel like really blessed because, not because I hurt my shoulder, but because of when I hurt my shoulder, I was getting ready to go into camp for my pro debut in Greenville. 
Um, so I was like two weeks, a week or two weeks out, and I was gonna do that tournament right at the beginning of camp. Like that was gonna be the start of my camp, but I heard it right before then, and then I got my surgery in really quickly. And then like I was already recovering when all the coronavirus stuff went down. So like I wouldn't have been able to fight or compete or do any of that anyways. The only thing I missed was the Atlanta tournament, which sucks, but you know. But even then the second Atlanta tournament was supposed to be May 15th and that's gonna be put off. Yeah. There won't be another one until like September. But um, I know we were thinking about that the other day being like the people who are injured and like, since you had to go through an injury, mm-hmm. this is kind of a blessing in disguise and that it's a terrible time um, for everybody that has to deal with it. However, if you've been neglecting yourself or, you know, the gym is open, even though I know I need to take a rest day, my friends are there, I really want to go there. Yeah. A lot of times we convince ourselves it's okay. We're going to go light. And then we don't. Yeah, exactly. So like, I can't eat, I like anyone who's injured right now, you can't do anything anyways. No one can train. It's not like you're really getting that far behind, which is always a weird for me. I'm like, I like to like stay on the edge of the curve, you know, but you know, everyone else can't train. You, you wouldn't be able to train anyways. So it's like, you're not missing as much. So I hate the coronavirus, but I'm glad that I'm injured when I am. I'd rather it be now than like in the future when everyone can go to the gym and I'm just going to sit here and be sad. You know? Well, that and since there aren't any fights right now, it's not like you're missing out on an opportunity that's not exactly. right now. Yeah. I, if I would have not been injured and I would have been going into my camp, I would have been most of the way through a grueling fight camp for my pro debut, and then it wouldn't have happened because it was supposed to be in April. You know, so it's it, I'm lucky. It's it's a good thing that it happened when it did. You've been there a lot for me when it comes to getting ready for tournaments, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And something I haven't asked you when it comes to developing like who you are within martial arts. So whether it's BJJ or striking or it's MMA, it's everything. Yeah. How have you fallen into like a comparison trap or do you just avoid the comparison trap because you're in your lane? Does I really sense? like, I don't know if it's just because I have such good people around me and I was like raised well, but like, I, you can only focus on you. If you're focusing, I mean, obviously there's people that you look up to, you know, I look up at people. There's like things that I'm like, I want to get like that good at that type of stuff or that move, you know, but really it's like, you know, it's a journey. It's your own self journey. I'm not like, like, I'm just going to do the best I can do. And if I start comparing myself to all these other people, like, some of these people might have been doing it there like 20 years, like my husband, like he'll get something like so quickly, you know, and I'm just like, how? But they've been doing it for a long time or somebody who even just started and I'm like, wow, they're doing really good. Like, I hope I stay like that motivated all the time. I mean, if I look at someone else, I'm not comparing in a bad way. I'm just like, it's more of like people motivate me to get better. You know, it's never like a jealousy thing. It's like a, you know, got to keep my game up, you know, type thing. No, it does make sense because that's one thing that I've noticed and you've helped me a lot because I don't sit here and I'm like, oh, I wish I was good as Hannah because you you helped me. Oh, I totally think I wish I was good as Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) I admit that. (laughs) I wish I could be at that level, but the more I train with you, the I do get better, but I can't compare myself to you because our experiences are so different that I never I haven't fallen into that trap. There exactly. I'm like, I want to get that good. And sometimes I'm like, I'm just getting And don't fall into that trap. Cause I feel like when people do is when they get extremely discouraged and like, and frustrated, you know what I mean? I mean, for me, I'd say the only thing that's ever been really frustrating is how long it took me to get my purple belt, even though like I was training all the time and it wasn't just MMA, but like, I have to go to so many different gyms. It's like complicated. 
So no one really knew like what to do as far as my purple belt goes. And I'd see like people that started after me already like halfway to the brown belt. And I'm just like, oh. but then I, I remind myself, I'm like, I'm still working. Like, it's just a belt. Like they're just colors on a belt. It, I mean, I know it can distinguish like your ability, but it's, they're just colors. Ultimately it comes down to like, you're on the mats and who's doing what, you know? So I let go of that. Maybe it was the thing that frustrated me in the past for a little bit, but I was like, I'm out here winning fights and having fun and enjoying my life. Like it's just a belt color, you know? So, but don't fall on the track because it is discouraging. That and it's, you have to figure like for you in particular, you're training like five, six different styles at a time. Yeah. All of their time is going into maybe one. Mm -hmm. So it's, you're having to try to stay well-rounded for MMA. Whereas they're like, oh, I'm just focused on just jujitsu. Cause I've had to evaluate that too, being like, oh, I'm not, I'm, like you said, how people started after you and they're already progressed so much farther. Yeah. You have to take time off or you're not able to focus on it as much as you want to. Exactly. And it's a hard thing to get over. And it's just like, the, it's like, I just came down to, I'm like, this is the journey I chose. And that's what it is. It's a journey. It's not always going to be like this. It goes like this. You know, you have good days, bad days, uh, frustrations, but ultimately like you just need to enjoy what you're doing. And if you don't, you can change it. You know, if I wanted to stop fighting and just do jiu-jitsu, which eventually when I'm done fighting, I'll be only doing jiu-jitsu, you know, this is the journey I chose and I'm happy with it, you know, and every journey comes with frustrations, but it is what it is. You got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. It's like we were talking the other day, even though you and I have the same belt, it's like you said, we have different journeys and that there's different aspects of it because you're more on like the professional aspect and competing and fighting. And then I'm more the hobbyist. So it's, we've had two different, com like completely different outlooks because exactly. um, especially with MMA, like you want to make this your career. And yeah. then there's people like us where we're like, we like competing, but that's not us hundred percent of the time Exactly. on top of the fact that when I, I, when I see YouTube and I'm like, okay, y'all are the perfect build. You're the perfect weight class. Like y'all are going to go places. And then I'm like, I'm completely satisfied being the training partner that gets you there. Yeah. You know, so it's like, we also but have a different mindset. She still does really well. <laughs> what I'm saying is like, there is no, especially with like jujitsu. That's why they have like, you know, weight classes and all of that, because there's, I mean, look at, I mean, this is just an extreme, but like, like, uh, Gabby Garcia, like she's like bigger than most men and she's so well known and she's, you know, giant, you know, she's like Jack and, she's well known. She's made her way, you know, and then up to like tiny little girls. I'm pretty small, you know, we're, we're pretty thing on the small side of a woman's height and I'm over here doing my thing. So it's like, don't limit yourself at all. That's, that's in your mind, you know, don't limit yourself at all. Cause you can literally go so far and I know you will, especially if you just keep doing what you're doing. So, yeah. So kind of switching gears a little bit, how, like, how has your MMA experience been in terms of uh, kind of what's your record? Do you hold any titles, et cetera? Um, my record, what did I just forget? Uh, my record is nine and one. And I hold, I held the South Carolina State title at 115. And I lost that. That's when I switched weight classes. That girl was, she was really big. We went all five rounds. It was like a grueling fight. I actually really messed her arm up doing an arm bar on her in that fight. But she won that fight um, by decision. And then all the other ones, most of them, I think I finished. But I held, I held the South Carolina State title at 115. And right now I hold the Adam Waite title for, why well, can't I remember the name of the promotion? Empire Fighting? 
What, what is it? Is it Empire? No, I forgot. Or King of the Cage. No, not King of the Cage. I was going to fight for them. I can't remember now. <laughs> but it's so messed up. <laughs> It'll come to you. <laughs> yeah, but I held that title. And then I was also, I fought in Singapore, which is really cool during a UFC event. Um, Justin, my husband, he fought at the same time too, or not at the same time, but he fought like a few days later in Singapore. And I was the first woman to bring home uh, gold for like what they're trying to make the Olympic team. So that was pretty okay. cool. That might be my favorite thing I did. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you were hoping to go to Singapore again, weren't you? Yeah, I was going to go to Singapore. It was supposed to be in Bahrain. And then I went to Singapore for like the world's thing, which ended up like, it just didn't seem like something I felt I in my heart I needed to do at the time. Um, Cause I had already had so many fights and um, my coach was like, you would have, you know, like swept the floor because you have way more experience than those girls, which also makes me glad because I like a challenge, you know, I didn't want to spend all the money and go there because I would have had to spend like a lot on tickets and all that to go there. It would have been fun, but I just decided not to. And then also I would have won um, a contract with one championship that I wouldn't have been able to use because of my injury now. Yeah. So it turned out like that would have been actually really disappointing to me if I would have gone and won, got that contract and then it would have been for nothing kind of, yeah. you know? So it ended up being a good thing because I have so many fights ahead of me anyways. It's just, it is what it is. But yeah. It would have been fun. When did you decide that you wanted to make fighting a career or is it still a career you want to pursue? Oh yeah, for sure. I just have to deal with this right now. But I'm still working out. Well, when the gym opened back, opened back up, I'll be working out um, full time again with like lifting and stuff. And then hopefully, actually, when the gym's open, I'll be able to come in and drill with you guys now because I can more exciting. Remember, I was like, as long as I can lay on my back and like help with like guard and stuff, like yeah. we'll be good. And I can do that now, so I'm really excited. Okay. But, uh, I decided to make it a career shortly after I met Justin, actually, because him and Cody were both like, you could totally make something out of this, like you're you like have like exceptional like learning ability and like you learn really quickly and you like listen really well so they're like you should just do it and I was like okay I will do like one fight or something and see how I like it and I like did awesome in my first fight and my parents my mom was like I'll support you no matter what my dad was like I don't know but I'll support you no matter what they were like both kind of like ah well you know you only live once and you're only young for you know this amount of time so Mm -hmm. I'm actually doing school now. They wanted me to go right to school, but now I'm going to start doing school to have time on my hands. But um, I don't know, a lot of support. I just decided to do it. Everyone was like, you could do it. So I did, you know. So for some of our listeners, they don't really know about your shoulder injury. How did it happen? If you don't Uh, Well, we were getting ready for the Atlanta Open IBJJF thing. And I can't remember when it was. It was February? It was in February. I think about February. Yeah. Because it was the yeah. it was supposed to be what in March? I think it was actually February first or something. Yeah, oh, but yeah. it was like the first weekend in February. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we were so we were like two weeks out, a week week and a half, two weeks out, and I was getting it was kinda like an open mat type thing and I just gotten done teaching the kids because I teach at UFC gym. And then I went down there to train and um I can't remember his name. I trained with him I used to train with him a lot and he's a purple belt. And I'm really bad at judging size. So, like, if you're, like, six feet tall, I'd be like, oh, you're, like, 130. I don't know why. <laughs> bad at judging but size. Was it Norman? Huh? Was it Norman? Yeah, it was Norman. Yeah. It was totally an accident. Actually, it could have happened to anyone. It was a complete accident. I actually think 
one thing is because I'm so used to doing nogi, um, I was actually doing a takedown when it happened. And we were having really good rolls. I was really excited about rolling with like, he's like a, he's like a high level purple belt, almost a brown belt. So I was like, heck yeah, good rolls, you know, before the tournament. And I go for a takedown. I actually have a video of it. I could show you guys. <laughs> I went for a takedown and I like, it was a double leg and I had like set up perfectly. You know, you can just like feel it. Like you set it up perfectly. And you know, he's a guy. So maybe I just think I'm bigger than I am. And I was like driving really hard. I was like, I'm going to get it. I get so stubborn. And my arm, I'm going to use this one because I can extend it. Yeah, my arm was ex got extended instead of keeping like my elbows in and keeping them close. My arm got extended and he sprawled back and he actually sprawled on my shoulder and it popped out yeah. and I fell on it. And I think that's what popped it back in, but it was really gross sounding and feeling. And I instantly was like, David, my shoulders. <laughs> I don't know, it's gonna fall off or something. But um yeah, and I instantly knew something was wrong. And like I that I didn't cry then because of the pain. I cried like later because I was like, I'm hurt. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to do anything now. Yeah. But, yeah. I think the reason it happened actually is um because I've been in that position before where people sprawl, mm -hmm. but because I'm so used to doing mostly takedowns with no gi, um, I think like the grippiness of the geese, I think my arm got like caught in his hip. It was like a weird situation because that's never happened before and I love takedowns, you know. But yeah, it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, because you had surgery almost immediately after that, didn't you? Like one or two weeks after it happened? Yeah, I got really lucky because um, I might have not even gotten it because of coronavirus. So I had to wait a month. Like most people have to wait a month, but my parents both do anesthesia and my mom, I got the uh, Dr. Lonergan. He's awesome. He's actually like a specialist at like this kind of stuff. And most doctors actually would say I could have just rehabbed it, but he was like, no, because of like what you do, you need to completely heal it or I'll just keep popping out and keep giving you like, you know, you'll end up having a longer recovery and then have to have surgery anyways. So my mom knows him and works at the same place as him. So they got me in really quick because he knows like what I do and stuff. Cause a lot of my mom's like coworkers have been in my fights and stuff. So I guess it's kind of like special treatment, but I was like, thank God, because I don't want to wait any longer. Because you were just recently able to take your sleeve off, weren't you? Because you Yeah, yeah, I took it off. Well, now it's been like probably three weeks since I've been, I like would slow down wearing it. Like I'd take it off at home and then like wear it out in public because I don't want someone to like grab my arm or like, you know, you never know what would happen. But now it's completely off. Like I can bump it and it's not going to like hurt really bad, so that's nice. <laughs> so do you feel like it's been harder to like not want to train since you've actually taken that off? Um, well, really, I just sometimes I go a little bit stir crazy because I'm like, oh, my sleeves off, like I'm good to go. But like, it's a quick reminder when you try and put your hair up and it's like, like I used to have like flip my head down when I could finally start putting my hair up. I can only go like that high with it right now. I still can't do that much. Like I can't lift, like carry something super heavy. So it's a reminder, you know, I can't open doors that are heavy with it yet, stuff like that. So I want to get back to training, but it's like, I know I can't go, I can't punch, I can't like pull someone down, like hold someone's sleeve or anything. So, but I, I'll do what I can. So I'm just going to kind of, I know we have more questions, but because you have been injured and this is what you want to do career wise. But when we have people who are like hobbyists, like us, but people in the gym who get injured and they're like, no, I'm fine. And then they go roll and they're like, no, I'm still hurt. And then they're like, I'm fine. And then they keep getting hurt. Mm -hmm. 
what <laughs> would your advice be? Because even I could fall, <laughs> I could easily fall into that trap as well, where I'm like, I'm hurt. No, I feel like I have a good day. No, I'm hurt again. Your, your advice for that, like caring for yourself when you can't train. I think, um, so like if I, as, and this might sound kind of like brutal, but if I, as someone who does this as a career, like this is how I like make a living. This is like my entire life. If I can step back and be like, I need to recover, you know, then so should people who do it as a hobby. It's like extremely hard for somebody when that's their entire life to have to do what I'm doing right now. So like, if it's, if it's like a hobby, like it should be a little bit easier for you. I don't know because some people it's like also an obsession, you know, which is a good thing, but you have to like ultimately, and I've learned this as a professional athlete is that if you ignore those injuries, they're going to come back to bite you in the ass. They will. So it's better to just like deal with it, like head on and fix it. And then ultimately you'll be out less time, you know? So, cause this isn't my only injury. It's just my worst injury. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know how do you feel? <laughs> how do you feel going forward training with your shoulder? Do you think in the next couple of months, that's going to impact how you train? Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, my recovery, like I know I can move it and stuff now, but ultimately like you can even see it. Like when I lift, I still, my, sh- it doesn't move in socket yet. It's weird. It bothers me. I still have a long recovery ahead of me. Like I can't like my coach or not my coach, my um doctor was basically like, it's about eight months to a year until you'll be able to spar and like feel normal. Like I'll be able to do a little bit more here and there, you know, but it's a long recovery. So it sucks. So how does that impact your timeline? I know you want to do your pro debut this year. How does that impact your timeline? I won't be fighting this year. I mean, I would be shocked. They're going to be like some kind of miracle. And then also because I'm not, um, I haven't had my first pro fight yet. My coach might say I need to take another amateur fight. I don't know. We'll see. Because my problem was like, no, there was no other amateurs that would fight me. Mm-hmm. So that was like why I decided to go pro. Um, but if maybe like with all this time lapse, like there'll be someone that's like, oh, I've had a few more fights. I'm down to like, you know, take it on. So I don't know. Just, I'm just going to do as much as I can and like until I'm completely back to normal and I feel comfortable because even today, like throwing a ball, I was like, are you sure I'm good to do this? Like, I'm so like, (laughs) like, I cannot put myself back anymore, you know? So we'll see where it goes and I'll keep people updated, you know, on Facebook and stuff. Yeah. No, I think as far as the questions that I wanted to ask you, those were, well, I do have a question. <laughs> now that these she's questions, have questions, this have is how they interview, she's very, uh, like, structured, and I'm like, huh, no, I want to ask you this. <laughs> 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 it works, <laughs> I'm like, huh, I don't know what you want me to ask, but you ask whatever the fuck you want to ask. <laughs> do you feel like you're going to, as far as, like, BJJ goes, mm-hmm. Do you eventually want to do big turn? Like, would you want to do like worlds or Pan Ams eventually? Yeah, for sure. I was actually planning on doing worlds as a blue belt um, for a while. But I can't remember why I ended up not doing it. I really can't remember. I think I was like, screw it. I'll just wait till blue belt. But I love doing tournaments. And I'd love to do like, like super fights or anything like that. You know, I'm always down for that. Especially like submission only stuff. I've never done a submission only tournament. And I'd like really like to. That'd be fun. I love that he's like all excited. He's like all excited. 
I would love to watch you do a sub only tournament and I would love to help you get ready for a See, sub. And then like listening to your discussion, it sounds like all of your tournaments have been sub only because you've just finished them <laughs> or they haven't had an option. I think that 90 to 95% of my tournaments have been, uh, have been by submission for sure. So yeah, I actually, I've only lost one. It was my first tournament ever. I took second. It was a Atlanta. I'm actually wearing the shirt. My first tournament ever. I thought that was appropriate. Um, it was in 2015. Let's see. Yeah, I think it says the year on here. Yeah, 2015. That was my first tournament. Um, and I actually got <laughs> But that was fun. Let me learn. That's awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, those are questions that I wanted to ask you. And it was interesting asking you some of the stuff because for people who are listening or watching this mm -hmm. Healy and Hannah like you both got your purple belts at the same time like I think Hannah before me but like you got yours what like a couple months I mean was it like a month or two once you get yours again yours was right after worlds um yeah, yeah we're right after math let's see I have a picture it was like August or September because it was on you and Brad got yours the same day August 26th, 2019. There's me and David. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's cute. And then when did you get your so, I think I was like end of October, beginning of November, because it was right after the King and Queen tournament. Because yeah. since the day I started at UFC, David was like, Hannah's going to be my first purple belt. And then he's like, and I guess you'll be the other one. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so it was a matter of being like, when's Hannah's going to get hers? And then once I saw you had yours, I was like, well, shit, now I have to actually work. I think I, he, I remember him talking to me like about when he was going to like belt everybody and stuff. And I was like, hmm, and all these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no idea mine was coming. I literally was like, I think I had some kind of suspicion when I like pulled up and I was like, everyone's upstairs. And then I was like, oh yeah, he did say he was going to give Brad his purple belt. I did not think I was getting mine. I was like, no, I'm never going to get my purple belt. <laughs> See, when I saw Richard Pinto walk into the building, I was like, shit's going down. So That's OG. Huh? That's my OG coach. I know. <laughs> so it's like once I saw him, I was like, he doesn't normally come here. And I had never met him before, but I knew who he was. So I was just like, what is happening at the gym right now? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, good day. it's really cool to see because you both have like, Okay, so it's like same belt, different journey. Okay, I came up with that. When I came up with it, where it's like, yeah, you have the same belt, but your journeys are so different. So that's me, so cute. I know, right? We're gonna make shirts. It's gonna be a. We thing. are gonna make. We are gonna make shirts. I would be the first one to buy it because I feel like my journey is so weird. <laughs> well, it's like and we're so different. Yeah, it's like we're not, but we are. Like we're so we're yeah. so different in that what we prefer to do or what we like to do and like our styles of teaching are so different. But at the same time we have like, even though you can kick my ass every day of the week, we still have a mutual respect for each other being like, Oh, if they're teaching exactly. a class, I'm not going to like step on their toes. Like I'm respecting their space yeah. and how they teach something. Even if it's something I'm like, Oh yeah, I've done this too, but who gives a fuck? Like, yeah, exactly. Well, one thing that my coach, Jimmy has always, uh, Jimmy Fowler, he's like my head coach over like everything. He's like my main coach. Um, he is awesome by the way. I miss him. I haven't seen him forever, but, um, he always told me, and he's like, been, he's like very serious about this. He's like, it doesn't matter who somebody is. You have some, there's something you can learn from everybody. 
and that's not just martial arts, but he talks about, like, especially with martial arts, like, he'll have me go spar with, like, little kids, and he's, like, tell me what you learned, you know what I mean, he's so humble, and, like, I just love that attitude, and I've, like, tried to adopt it, because you guys are, like, you kick my ass, but it's, like, I have learned so much from you guys, like, you don't even have any idea, you know, anyone from first day on the mat, you can learn so much from them. Yeah, I feel like just in terms of body movement and natural instinct, I've learned more from white belts than anybody because oh, yeah. they, they don't think about it. They just do something. They just do. They don't they do it. it. <laughs> they just do. And, well, it's, and it's, there's, there's no thought process. And then so it's like somebody's been do, getting me in this. I'll do it to somebody that doesn't know how to respond or doesn't think about it because they're like, yeah. oh, I shouldn't do this. So they have no hesitation and so it's if they do something that's successful I'm like okay why did they do that yeah I'm able to like reverse engineer figure out okay why did they get where they did exactly that's a really good way to look at it and that's like a really good way to learn because like everyone learns so differently it's like you move mm-hmm. backwards and you're like why did they do this you know that makes a lot of sense yeah and then being like what did I do for them to want to do that and so it's just this endless spiral of it's like learning to, you have to, it's like almost learning, like, two times, like, you have, it's like learning two languages, their language that they're speaking, and then your language that you're speaking, like, at the same time, and it's like this dance. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how I think about it. Because, so, and then talking to both of you, because both of you work with the kids' classes, how mm-hmm. is it going from a student to a teacher, and, and being in that, in like, instructor position, and working with the students, and helping them get, understand the material? Um, well, Missy does, I used to teach a lot of the kids jiu-jitsu. I prefer teaching kids striking. I think, like, I, I, jiu-jitsu is so frustrating. Unless, like, I think that some, some kids might start, not that you can start too young, but, like, it's really hard to, like, get kids to understand even what they're doing until they're, like, they're a certain age, you know? But when you, for me, when I teach, I realize, for one, how much I know. I'm like, wow, I thought I was, like, really dumb, but I actually know, like, a good bit, you know? And then teaching it, like they say, you know, if you can teach something, you can do it. Like, that's the best way to learn is to, like, be able to teach people. Um, I don't know if that's answered your question, but I enjoy teaching. Yeah. Yeah. When I watch the kids listen to Cody, I know Cody commands a lot of respect from the kids. It's Mm -hmm. already there. And it's the same thing, because I, like, when I'm going up to jujitsu, I see you coaching karate. Yeah. And what I respect and I learn a lot of the from the kids is how they are learners mm-hmm. and auto, it's automatically part of their their daily life being in school. Yeah. But adults tend to not listen like the kids listen. And the reason yeah. kids can take on a technique mm-hmm. so quickly. I know some of them it takes them a minute. Well, they don't have as much ego in the way generally. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's no yeah. ego with the kids or if they're they're grappling with each other it's there's a little bit of frustration mm-hmm. but they're always willing to be like I can how do and they're always willing to ask how can I get out of this I don't know what yeah. I'm doing where yeah, adults, they have no problem being like I'm stuck you know or with like some adults it goes back to like having that humility and like you really like you don't want to have ego on the mat that's going to be your biggest um inhibitor of growth and learning you know that's I'm sorry, I don't know where I was going with that, but that's so true, you know, about kids have no problem asking. They're not like, oh, they're going to think I'm stupid or I'm going to look some type of way. It's like, no, they just really want to learn. Or they're always like, coach, Misty, we need help. We need help. And then you know, we're like, come over here, come over here. I want to show them. And 
So that's what's really cool to see because I tell David that. I'm like, the kids are always willing to listen and they'll take on a technique. Like, yeah. Cody showed an S mount armbar to the kids' competition class. Mm-hmm. It took them a couple of tries, but I shit you not, it took me a week to get this. <laughs> <laughs> but that's- I think you just overthink, Misty. I think that's <laughs> just your thing. I think you're trying so hard. You like, miss it sometimes. I know, it's embarrassing. It, no, it's just, I've got to get rid of that, and it's slowly being eliminated, the overthinking. David's trying to get... Okay, no, it is never going to be eliminated. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting this pipe dream. You are never going to quit overanalyzing. I think I've told you more when we're rolling. I'm like, Missy, don't think, just feel, just feel it. And, like, literally, and then as soon as you, like, are actually, like, in, like, a flow state and you're rolling... I'm like, do you realize you just did that perfectly? Because <laughs> then what she does is she stops and goes, oh, my God. <laughs> and then the flow is over. And then she's like. Yeah, because then she's laughing too much. And then she's like, okay, okay, do it again. And then she thinks about it. Yeah. The, yeah it's I, so cute, though. It but is. Really, like, in a competition, you're going to be in, like, that most likely, especially after you have more competition, you'll be more like that flow type state. And you'll just do, you know, because almost like you don't have time to react. You just feel it and do it in competition so I think the more you compete the more you'll lose that like I mean you still need to think about stuff when you're drilling but that's what that's what drilling's for you know you'll just like grow and learn and like catch on even faster oh, <laughs> I oh this is Lily but I was telling her and Kalina this too we were talking about competition or what you were talking about and it's responding yeah. When I'm in the gym, I have that environment where I can overthink, where I'm allowed this ability to overthink. But then when I'm on a competition mat, everything is automatic. I'm just responding. I don't have time to think. But you don't. It's like if you're thinking, then it's like something's happening, and you're not gonna like it. See, and I know that from experience because the IBJJF that was in the spring. I was a half second behind her and I thought, and then I got pulled right back into the, into her clothes guard and she was working for a Kimura armbar transition. And it was one of those, like, I should have just gone for the pass when I had the opportunity rather than hesitate and then get pulled back into it. And that's why I lost. Yeah. So I don't think that's ever going to be completely gone. Cause like, you're always going to be somewhat nervous for tournaments. Like, it doesn't matter if you're the most experienced black belt, you know, you might freeze sometimes, but sometimes like when you do freeze, and, like, I like putting myself in bad positions a lot because if you're not in a bad position and how are you going to grow and get comfortable, especially, like, I get claustrophobic. If someone's sitting on top of me, I, I've tapped just from feeling like I'm going to suffocate, you know? So just, like, I'll put myself in those uncomfortable positions, you know? Just, like, if you were in a tournament and you froze and you're like, oh, shit, now I'm in, like, a position I didn't want to be in, but, you're like, you've been there before, so. So it's not, it's not as scary. Exactly. Yeah. Our interview is going great. Justin was asking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that does bring me uh, to one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and that you also have a significant other that fights and that professionally. How has that impacted your wanting to be a career fighter? Um, Because it's a different level of support than for other people that their significant other either isn't training like at all. Yeah. or isn't fighting how has that been i i feel like it would be really hard to be in a relationship with somebody who had no like 
or even minimal martial arts experience because it's, I mean, for me, like I said, it's like my entire life. This is every day. This is like, I live and breathe martial arts. So it's definitely like, it's awesome because you can say something that might sound like another language to somebody else and they totally get it. And like, and because he's been doing this since he was like two or three years old, you know, he, uh, he's helped me grow so much, like gives me so much insight into things and like looks at, shows me like how to look at someone, something uh, a little different, you know, that grows me. So we really just compliment each other a lot. And sometimes we end up um, like choking each other randomly, stuff like that, you know, it's Fun great. Times. Fun times. <laughs> um, do you have anything else you want to add? I know I've asked you the stuff that I wanted to ask you. Um, I guess, like, if I was going to give, like, some advice to, like, people that were just wanting to try jiu-jitsu, especially, like, women, do it. And, and like, not every gym is going to be perfect. I don't think there's any perfect gym. But, like, if you're, if you really feel, like, a passion for it and you want to do it, like, go for it. And there is going to be strong women and men. Like, this, it's not as scary as people think training with men. As long as it's someone who's not creepy and you know if that person's creepy, like, like the jiu-jitsu community is so great and everyone's so loving and supporting and just it's really beautiful so i'd say go do it <laughs> what would you say to the women that are contemplating trying an mma class like you were um do it like honestly it's really if you i don't have to be so loud if you want to try it like don't let anything stop you like gender shouldn't stop you weight athleticism none of that should stop you because you have no idea where it will take you I was just a little almost 16 year old girl that went into try a self-defense class and now like I'm where I am so you know just just do it don't let other people or what you think other people will think and I know it's easier said than done just be you just like start your own journey you know and it, it doesn't have to look like anybody else's okay and then one last question we're asking everybody this if you could define BJJ, or should we change it for martial arts or just jujitsu to keep in theme with the, with you can just do BJJ. Let's just be BJJ. Okay. So how okay. would you define? Yeah. How would you personally define jujitsu? Oh, it's like a kind of hard question. When I, when I think jujitsu, like always the first thing that comes to mind besides like choking people is like community because it really is like a family and um confidence uh especially if you're just doing jiu-jitsu whatever you're doing like jiu-jitsu builds confidence so much you get this great community and family and they just grow your confidence and encourage each other and also you become like a badass so um, <laughs> how we all feel awesome it's like it, everyone needs to do jiu-jitsu seriously that's good yeah. well i think that's it for today's episode um, Hannah, thank you so much for talking to us today and letting everybody get to know you a little bit more. Um, and then tune in for the next episode of Black Butter Bust. Awesome. See you guys.